The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 59. And I want to say Merry Christmas to y'all. This is our Christmas episode of 2019, and today we're going to be talking about kind of the origins of Christmas. Where did it come from? What are some of the traditions and, and the myths around it? And honestly, there's some controversy in a lot of Christian circles about it being a pagan holiday. Is there any truth to that? There's a lot of things around Christmas that I absolutely love. And in my research for this episode, I have fallen in love with Christmas even more. And I am excited to share some of the stuff that I've found. I'm excited to share some of the new traditions that I'm going to be starting in my own life. And who knows, maybe a uh, hundred years from now, Christmas will look different because we've started to wrap our minds around it in a new way for the new age and this new age Christian perspective. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm looking forward to it. And let's get started and have some fun. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And uh, as you will uh, find out here shortly, I would also say uh, Happy Yule or what other word that we come up with. I don't know. But uh, man, I tell you what, I have been doing a lot of research on this season on Christmas. And as I've alluded to in previous episodes, even a little bit last year and definitely in the last episode, I have decided to kind of embark on a new I don't know, a new understanding of Christmas and this season. Because uh, brief history, for those of you who may not have listened to all the episodes to this point, New Age Christianity, while it certainly has elements of the New Age concepts, New Age religion, if you will, it's mostly, uh, 90%, it's mostly a reference to the fact of the, the reference to the ages as laid out in the stars, the constellations, that we are coming into the age of Aquarius. And the ages are a concept that uh, was understood throughout every culture for thousands of years. It's largely been lost in our culture because religion uh, has buried it under tradition and, I don't know, uh, a lot of uh, law and rule and um, the angry God syndrome that the quote-unquote gospel pretends to alleviate. The fact of the matter is, is that the ages are the truth, under, the true message underneath what the human story is. And if there's ever been a holiday that on our calendar that was about understanding the story of the stars and understanding the story of the ages. If there's ever been a holiday about understanding the truth of the human experience, I now know it, that that holiday is Christmas. That holiday is uh, Yule. That holiday is, in a lot of, in a lot of uh, ancient cultures, is also New Year. And um, I'm going to try to do what I can to unpack uh, what I found and Full disclosure, full, you know, a disclaimer here at the beginning is 
The history around this holiday is not so cut and dry as a lot of people want to pretend. It is, if anything, that the, you know, most of the people who listen to this podcast, we live in America. And if you're not in America, you're at least in a Western culture, a Westernized culture like Australia or New Zealand or England or something like that. And for the most part, we all celebrate Christmas very similarly. We have elements like Santa and the reindeer. We have elements like caroling, elements of, you know, certain components to how we feast and how we how we eat and celebrate. And um, those elements, so here's the dirty little secret. They are, it's a melting pot of different holidays from different cultures around the world. So I was telling a friend of mine, like, honestly, Christmas is in my opinion, the most American holiday that uh, we have because it is a melting pot of the holidays of Germanic cultures of, uh, you know, even there's elements in certain parts of the country of uh, Asian or South American cultures. There's there's elements of Middle Eastern culture and Scandinavian culture and Russian culture. And there are so many bits and pieces of our Christmas tradition that come from all all different places around the planet, and we have turned it into a singular holiday known as Christmas. And, you know, you might say that Thanksgiving is the most American holiday, but I tend to think that Christmas is simply by the mere fact that it is a melting pot holiday, much like our nation is. And so there is a <laughs> a historical uh tradition for just about every element of Christmas that you can think of. If you want to know where caroling comes from, then go study the Christian traditions of England. And if you want to go further back, that actually kind of originates in Russia or the Russian area. Um, if you want to understand where Christmas trees come from, you can get that both in the Scandinavian world as well as Roman world. And then if you want to understand where things like a Yule log come from, then that's uh, very Norse and Scandinavian as well. And you get elements of, uh, I don't know, dressing up and, and how long Christmas lasts and Christmas Eve and blah, blah, blah. It's so many different traditions that anybody who pretends to kind of boil this down, well, Christmas is originally pagan. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry to tell you, there's honestly nothing inside of the Christian religion that doesn't have non-Christian roots. Not the least of which, you would say Christian religion's primary root system is Jewish religion, right? And then that Jewish religion has roots in Egyptian religion and Babylonian religion and the elements of all of those dynamics. And we'll get into it a little bit. Like there are, you know, the fact that there's a, the son of God was, was born of a virgin or uh, was crucified and resurrected. You know, Christianity is only the, is the 16th religion in, there was 15 other religions before Christianity to have that storyline. And I'm going to do what I can to unpack why I believe uh, Christianity is is still, you know, I'm, I'm still very much a New Age Christian. I've, a lot of people come and study this subject, and they study Christmas and, and paganism, and they study astrotheology. There's great teachers out there like Santos Bonacci um, who kind of talk about astrotheology. But Santos will be the first to tell you there was no such thing as Christ. The Bible is a bunch of lies. And he then talks about how how... 
the story of Jesus and the resurrection and all that is found in the stars, and therefore it's evidence that the Bible is fake. And it's just one other religion uh, telling that story. I I see what he's getting at, and I see why he's so angry with, uh, a lot of people are angry with the Christian church, because they've taken this story, and they've said, this is our story, and we're the only ones who have it right, and all of you other guys are going to hell, and you're all wrong, and blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's just very judgmental, and it's very arrogant. Um, but the truth is that, I believe, anyways, I, I believe the truth is that this story, the reason that, that Santos Bonacci and people like him can look at the stars and say, well, this is nothing unique to Christianity, is because the story was known throughout history by anyone of any spiritual uh, tradition. So we can see this. So you go back before, you realize Abraham wasn't a Christian, right? You realize Moses wasn't a Christian. Jesus wasn't a Christian, right? They were Jews. And even Abraham wasn't a Jew. <laughs> he... he the Jewish tradition and the Jewish religion didn't start until Moses uh, 400 years later. So over 400 years later. So Abraham is uh, a character that both uh, that Christianity, Islam, and Judaism all look back to as the father of that faith. And so Abraham is certainly an important figure. And I would argue that uh, this story found in Genesis 15, where God comes to Abraham and he says, Abraham, he says, now look toward the heavens. This is uh, Genesis 15, starting at verse 5, and it's verses 5 and 6. He took him outside and said, now look towards the heavens and count the stars. If you are able to count them, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed the Lord, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So there's a lot of ways that this gets translated, but by and large, this verse is mostly translated is now look at the stars and, and count them if you can count them. And he said, and if you can count them, so shall your descendants be. Then Abraham believed God is reckoned to him as righteousness. It is often translated as and viewed and interpreted as look out at the stars and start numbering them. One, two, three, four, and count them, right? But the actual word that is used there is not go out, hey, Abraham, go outside and number the stars. The word that is used there is actually the same word that is used throughout the Old Testament for uh, a scribe or a storyteller, right? Every king would have a scribe. So the book of Chronicles and the book of Kings, they were written down by scribes. So these scribes would tell the history of what was happening. They were the historians. They were the storytellers. And so the scribes were really the ones that we, uh, everything that actually happened in existence was filtered through the person who wrote the story down. That was a scribe. And it was the same word that God tells Abraham, hey, Abraham, go outside and recount this story to me. Tell me this story. If you can recount it, so shall your descendants be. Let me rephrase it in Austin's paraphrase. Hey, Abraham, go out and tell me the story of the stars. If you can tell me that story, I'm going to do that through you. And then Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Have you ever wondered, okay, so wait, God goes out and says, hey, Abraham, count the stars, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, all the way up to however many, which you can't count them. Um, depends on how good your vision is and if you have a telescope and how far you are, because they're innumerable by our standards at this point. So 
But let's pretend like that's what it meant. And God says, so shall your descendants be. So Abraham is essentially believing that he's going to have a lot of kids. Right? He's going to have a lot of descendants. Okay, that's cool. Um, at the point in Abraham's life where he's old and doesn't have any kids, it is certainly a measure of faith to believe that his descendants would be very numerous when he has no children. However, I tend to believe that the faith that God was seeing in Abraham was not about how many kids he would have, but about the fact that his kids would be the ones through whom the story of the stars would be manifest in the earth. Let me explain this. The story of the stars has been known throughout the ancient world in just about every major ancient civilization that we are aware of. So, uh, to give you an example, all of the following pre-Christian deities shared the myth of the virgin birth on December 25th, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. And I'm going to actually read you a list. I'm going to make sure I can actually see it here on my computer. So, Krishna of Hindustan, Buddha Sika of India, Salavanya of Bermuda, Zulus and Osiris of Egypt, Odin of Scandinavia, Krite of Chaldea, Zoroaster and Mithra of Persia, Baal and Taut of Phoenicia, Indra of Tibet, Bali of Afghanistan, Ja'au of Nepal, Witoba of the Benglonese, Tammuz of Syria, Atis of Phygria, a lot of these I'm butchering the names, I'm sorry, Zamolixis of Thrace, Zoar of Bonzes, Adad of Assyria, Devatat of Samanokadam of Siam, uh, Alcides of Thebes, Makado of Sintos, Bedru of Japan, Jesus, Oros, and Bramala of the Druids, Thor of the Gauls, Cadmus of Greece, Hill and Feta of the Mandanites, Gantuat and Wakalot of Mexico, Universal Monarch of the Sibyls, Ixki of the island of Formosa, divine teacher of Plato, holy one of Yaka, of Zaka, Fohi of Antien of China, Adonis of Greece, Prometheus of Caucasus, Axion and Quirinus of Rome. Those are all gods, ancient pre-Christian deities that share the myth or the story of being born of a virgin crucified and resurrected. Now, not every one of them uh, share all three components. So I really should say born of a virgin or crucified and resurrected or both, right? The born of the virgin part is not unique to Christ and the crucifixion and the resurrection is not unique to Christ. Some of them share both elements. Some of them have one element, but here's the truth. Here's the idea that here's what I'm getting at. Jesus as the born of a virgin and the, and the quote-unquote risen savior, he's not unique as a deity as far as the myth or the story of his life, right? So this begs the question, if these gods and these stories are throughout every culture, I mean, I went through it, China, Japan, Syria, Mexico, Greece, Rome, you have uh, and you know, Nepal, there's elements. I know there's, uh, there's some in Africa. I know there's, I actually know, uh, I believe it's the Hopi who have, it's not even on this list. There's native American, Northern American, uh, deities that share this, this element. So 
if it's not unique to Jesus, where are all these cultures getting this story, this myth that the son would be born of a virgin and it would die and be resurrected three days later? Well, newsflash, that story is in the stars. That the son is born of Virgo, the virgin, and that it is, crucif- it is, it is crucified and resurrected three days later. So, there are elements, and I'm going to, again, I'm, I'm, there is so much here. I can, I could do an entire, like, really intricate, detailed teaching or uh, explanation of where these stories come from and how, you know, doing the history of Yule or the history of Christmas. This isn't, I'm kind of, this is just part one of what I'm trying to deliver in this podcast. If you want more details about these gods or uh, the history of Yule or anything like that, by all means, do some of your own research. I'll put some links. There's there's a great blog article I'll put a link to. There's a book that, uh, you know, it's the, uh, that's a book about the 16 Christs before Jesus, um, the pre-Christian uh, Messiah con- you know, concept that is listed here. There's been a lot of work done on how the Christian story is not unique to Christianity and that the story of Christ and our beliefs about Christ are really the beliefs about so many other mythical gods. And if you want to do that research, by all means. Now, here is, I want to insert an absolute for myself and what I believe to be uh, something worth noting for anybody who's going to study this stuff is God put the stars in the heavens as for signs and seasons, right? So we know that the story has been known. It's the same story that God asked Abraham, hey, Abraham, can you tell me the story? Right? And there's a good chance that Abraham probably told him the story of, uh, you know, Baal or a tout uh, from, you know, the Phoenician area or one of those Middle Eastern areas. He was from, uh, Abraham was from Ur, and I don't know specifically what uh, subculture Ur was, but uh, there's a good chance that one of these gods is the story that Abraham recited back to the father. And said, okay, well, the story of the stars is X, Y, and Z. And then, then you know, the, the born of a virgin. And then it's going to, you know, it's got to 12 uh, constellations or the 12 suns that, that which, through which the sun delivers his message and all these things and blah, blah, blah. And God then says, I'm going to do that story through you. I'm going to fulfill this universal story that every culture knows, that every society celebrates and every religion is looking towards. I'm going to do this, Abraham. I'm going to do this through you. And my question is, if those, if the story in the stars was put there by God to point as a sign, to point towards seasons, which obviously the ages are seasons, in, as well as the micro expression of that in winter, spring, summer, and fall, or the, the moon going around, you know, new moon and full moon and all of that stuff. Like seasons don't just mean ages, but ages is a season. It is a way to divide the timeline of humanity. If God put those there to point to these truths, my question is, what are these signs pointing towards? Are they pointing just towards this idea that the sun goes down, you know, for three days, which I'll get into in a bit, that the sun goes down and it comes up and we're just celebrating the, 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 the cycle of life? Sure. 
And I think a lot of people would say that. I think Santos Bonacci and those guys would say that astrotheology just points to the cycle of life and that life is eternal. I mean, that I'm going to insert that they're actually pointing to a moment when this story would be manifest among men in real time. And I'm going to be in 2020, I very much intend to finally get around to uh, opening up some different classes. One of them would be the origin of the universe and the unified theory of spirit and matter class. And in that class, you'll see those who take the class, the what I believe to be the undisputable truth that logic had to become flesh, that the word had to become flesh, that the logos had to dwell amongst us, and that it had to die, it had to live, and it had to die, and it had to come back to life all on its own, and that no man could destroy it, except it could just only could destroy itself. Let me just, that Christ and this story had to manifest at some point in human history that the word would have to become flesh, that the story would have to be made manifest. It would have to come down out of the stars, out of the realm of allegory, and become reality. And so that, yes, all of these cultures, all of these pre-Christian deities that people worshipped, they were pointing to a truth. They were pointing to a moment in time when the fullness of time, in the fullness of time, the word would become flesh and dwell among us. That the Son of God would indeed put on flesh, that the Son of God would indeed be born of a virgin, that the Son of God would indeed die and for three days dwell in hell and on the third day be resurrected, that this would actually happen. This is what I believe to be the marriage of Christianity and the truth of Christ and just about every other religion in the world. There are certain religions, I, I don't believe Islam has many elements of these things. Islam and Christianity have largely been, they're, they're, they're a religion of the new age, or the age of Pisces. And they are at war with each other. They are the two fish that go in opposite directions. And both of them have lost their origins of pre-Pisces back into Taurus and all that stuff. So <clears throat> Aries and Taurus and so forth. I believe that uh, Aquarius, this age, we're going to see the marriage of so many different traditions, realizing that, oh my gosh, yes, this story was in the stars. Yes, these deities did exist in Norse religions and China and Persia and Mexico and all this stuff, but they pointed to a reality known as Jesus Christ. They pointed to a reality known as Abraham believing that that reality would come through his lineage, that, that the Jews were the chosen people to manifest the story of the stars. There's a reason there were 12 tribes, because there's 12 constellations, Right? There's a reason that there were four mothers of the 12 tribes because there are four seasons and there's four cardinal points. There, there's a reason that there were 12 apostles and there's four gospels. There's a reason that you have the sevens and you have the twelves and you have the threes and you have all of this typology, which typology 101 is going to be the very first class that, that comes out uh, in the first of, you know, around next year, 2020. So these, these images and these typologies pointing to Christ being the manifestation of it, that I don't believe there is a reason to run away from the fact that many of our Christian traditions have Druidic or Pagan or Germanic or Russian 
or whatever origins. Because those origins, those, those traditions got their information from the same place that Abraham did. I guarantee you, if Abraham was the one who started bringing green Christmas trees inside of his house to celebrate different, you know, we can get into what the green tree represents. We're not, that's, this episode is not necessarily about that. But if Abraham was the one to do that, I guarantee you Christians wouldn't be freaking out about it. But it was a bunch of Norse people who believed that it was about Odin and everything like that. And they've given different, the wrong names because apparently you have to have the right words in order to celebrate the right God. Look, the energy of it is we're celebrating the creator. The energy of it is we're celebrating life. We're celebrating and grateful and we are, we are bringing life into the house and we are understanding that there is a period of death and then there is resurrection and the cycle of life is beautiful and so on and so forth. I bear, I, I almost, I'm willing to bet that Abraham's family did that, did those things, whether it was a green tree or not, that Abraham's family had traditions and they had elements that pointed to this story that Abraham recites to God. And then from there, God says, now, guess what, Abraham, I'm going to do this through you. You're going to have a son, right? You're going to have actually two sons and they're going to battle with, they're going to be at war with each other, which is, you know, then you get into Gemini and you get all these other, there are elements of this story that I am proposing to those of you who have studied other traditions that those other traditions are absolutely right. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that they, at some point, they manifest. The story in the stars had a moment which it came true. And so Christmas, I, I would, you know, kind of my next point here, Yule or that, that tradition of winter solstice, Yule is a celebration of the annual sign of the stars. The sign, so what happens on winter solstice, for those of you who don't know, December 21st, the sun goes down, it's, it is the shortest day in the northern hemisphere. And so the sun is as far south in the sky as it gets. And if you watch, it actually goes down right where the constellation of the southern cross is in the sky. So the sun goes down on the cross on the evening of December 21st. And when the earth starts to tilt back the other way, right? And we head back towards spring and summer, it takes three days before you can see a visible change in where the sun goes down. So the sun goes down the night of the 21st on the Southern Cross, and it stays there on the night of the 22nd, the night of the 23rd, and the night of the 24th. So it stays on the cross or it stays in the grave for three days. And then on the morning of the 25th, so Christmas morning, it raises again and begins its ascent back to the northern hemisphere. And so we start our way back to spring and summer, right? And so it is a celebration of the, re of the birth of the sun. So honestly, Christmas, I'm... I'm well, I'm going to get there in a minute. What I'm going to get to the point where how I view Christmas. But some cultures viewed it as the birth of the sun, that on the 23rd, or the 25th, sorry, it would be born again. And others viewed it as the, the resurrection of the sun, that it was dead, but it came back to life. I think both are valid, and both are 
celebrated in the life of Christ. Now, last year I did an episode on the Star of Bethlehem and uh, elements of of what was really happening astrologically at that time. Go listen to that episode. It does kind of uh, marry well to this episode. But if you, as you can see, I've I've basically been spending the last couple of years diving into what is really going on. What is the story in the stars? We've lost that story. We get whispers of it through ancient traditions and through Christian traditions and through Jewish traditions and so forth. But what's the purity of the story? And the purity of the story, as far as Christmas is concerned, is the story of Jesus himself. His whole story, not just bits of it, not just his birth, right? On the 21st, you're celebrating his death. And on the 25th, you're celebrating his resurrection. Or another, another way to look at it is you're celebrating his birth, of, and he's born of the virgin. Like there's, there's all the elements are in there pointing to Christ, right? And so if Yule is the celebration of the annual sign of the stars, like it's celebrating the sun and all that stuff. So Yule, you know, ancient pagan tradition that celebrates the sign of the stars. Christmas is the celebration of the thing that the signs are actually pointing to. Right, so let's say for thousands of years you're celebrating the sign of the stars, and you're you're being thankful for the fact that spring is on the way, and the sun has won its victory over darkness, and it's going to come back to the north, and everything like that. Great, but those pointed to a moment at which it actually happened. Right, that the Son of God actually came to the world, and that is Jesus. And so Christmas is a celebration of that element. But that's why there's so much overlap, is because they're both celebrating the same freaking thing. They're both celebrating Jesus. They're both celebrating the story in the stars. The story in the stars just happened to find its way into reality in the way of Jesus. Jesus is the manifestation of that story. Jesus is the logos in matter, right? That, that logic itself put on flesh, that logic itself became man, that logic had to die and was reborn, and it's, there's not a thing that was created that wasn't created through logic. There's not a thing that, it, that exists that isn't held together by logic. Jesus is that manifestation, and he, is, and he came to earth to manifest that story, and he is now once again logic in the heavens, as he says in, in John 17, Father, I want the glory that I had with you in the beginning. Right. So he becomes Jesus, he becomes man, he puts on flesh, for 33 and a half years, and then he goes back to being the Logos. He goes back to being logic. And you see that again in Revelation, where he has the word of God written on his thigh, and so on and so forth. So Jesus is the manifestation of this story. And this story at Christmas time and, and, and Yule and all of those things is, the, man, is the, the celebration of Jesus. Yule and Christmas is the celebration of all of Jesus, because he's the Son. And if you understand the magnitude of this cosmic story finding its way into reality through Christ, then I think you can start to understand just how much you have in common. As a Christian, how much Christians have in common with so many other religions. Because those ancient religions didn't just make up, they didn't worship, there's, there's really, it's actually kind of a misnomer that ancient religions worshipped the sun, right? No, they understood that the sun was a representation 
of a story. They understood that the son was a representation of God the Father, that, the, that, that there was a creator, the unseen creator, and the son was, was a representation towards that, where life comes from and light comes from, right? But I believe deeper than that, a lot of those cultures understood that it was a it was a representation of something that would actually happen because they started to understand the ages and they started to understand that in uh, throughout the ages yes the sun, the winter solstice happens every year but that the story of the stars and the constellations they would start to see oh wow we've been in this constellation for 2000 years and we're going to be in that one for 2000 years and the elements of the story is basically like chapters there's 12 chapters of the story and for this 2000 years we're in this chapter of the story and that is why I want to understand the story so I can know in detail what the what the chapter of Aquarius is all about. We're entering a new chapter of human history. We've been in Pisces. We've seen the two fi- the fishermen with two different fish going in the opposite directions where man has believed that they are righteous, but we also believe we're sinners. We're double-minded. We're at war with each other. We're not heading in the same direction. We're on the fisherman's line, but we're not actually at one with ourselves. That is changing to where now we're going to be pouring out the spirit from our clay vessels that God is going to be seeing coming out of us in the form of, in in the sign of Aquarius. And that for the next 2000 years, we're going to see, I believe humanity take some major, major upgrades and come into that chapter of this story. But any ancient traditions who understood the stars certainly over time understood these chapters Right, and I believe a lot of those ancient traditions. While the while every ancient tradition, there's people who just there's lay people, and then there's priests, if you will. The priests would be the ones who understand the depth of it, and the lay people maybe not. No different than today, but that the priests would have understood that these celebrations and these feasts of the sun, they're not the sun itself and worship, and oh, the sun is God. No, it is the sun is a sign and a symbol towards that someday God's son would come and be born of a virgin and spend, and die and spend three days in hell and be resurrected on the third day and so on and so forth. And so I believe there's a lot more in common with these ancient traditions than, we, than most Christians like to give credit to. And the reason is, is because God put the story there. You know, I'm sorry. Christians do not have the monopoly on the story of humanity. Right. As a matter of fact, we stole most of the elements and just said we did. And, you know, thank you, Catholic Church, for that. But the truth is, is that it's, this, is, this is a story that belongs to all of us. Throughout history, it has belonged to all of us. And I am excited to rediscover some of the intentionality around the elements of Yule and other traditions around Christmas. So I've chosen... I'm going to kind of spend the last bit of this podcast kind of expressing to you where I'm at. And, um, you know, those of you who might call yourself New Age Christian and kind of have enjoyed this episode to this point, understanding and unpacking the reason that Christmas is what it is. Again, I didn't get into a lot of the detailed history of where caroling comes from or mistletoe or or the Yule log or the Christmas trees or ornaments or gifts. I mean, those all have different roots and different cultures and, and they're fascinating to look at. For what I have studied and where I am as a New Age Christian, my intention is, one, to start celebrating 
Um, I did the last episode I did in the value of feasting and I talked about taking a large, you know, 10% of my money and putting it aside for feasting because, uh, celebration and gratitude, there's an energy of gratitude that is important for life and living and creativity as, uh, as children of God, as being creators, gratitude is the energy that creates your future. And so why not start the year off with the biggest party of the year? So I'm going to be and have. So today I'm recording. It is the 22nd. So last night was the winter solstice. The sun went down on the Southern Cross. And tonight, tomorrow night and the night after that, it will do the same. And then on the 25th, on the sunrise on the 25th, it will, it will begin to move back towards the north and the sun will rise again and and the sun will be born again and so the for me the tradition um i actually burned a yule log last night but i rep, i kind of view this the 21st through the 25th as being a four day uh party Right, it really would, and, you know, start, depends on when you start it and end it. But basically, twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty fifth, so five day party, of uh, of celebrating Christ as a whole, and celebrating the beginning of a new year. So the winter solstice being the end of the year. Admittedly, this is about the northern hemisphere, and I've been doing some meditating on. The fact that, you know, the Southern Hemisphere, things are, are polar opposite and there is, you know, male-female concepts here. There's uh, the two becoming one. There, there's elements of the fact that the Southern Hemisphere, the story is reversed. And as I meditate on it over the coming months and years, maybe I'm sure there will be some things that come out of that. But for now, just focusing on the Northern Hemisphere, that uh, it is the end of the year. And it is uh, essentially the period of time between the years that uh, everything is resting and death has had its moment. I won't say that death has had its victory because we know on December 25th that, that the sun will rise again and death will lose its victory. But uh, the Yule log for me, uh, not not just representing you know the light of the world, I mean that, but also representing Christ, representing so Jesus when he is going to the cross, uh, there is a part where he I believe it's when he stumbles, and he looks at the women and he says, "Do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves. For if they do this to a green tree, what will they do to a tree that is dry and withered?" And so the idea that Jesus is the green tree that we bring inside and we burn it. Right, and we we send it to hell. Um, but on top of that, that we were crucified with Christ, and so we bring it into our homes, and we ourselves get to be purified, and that we are green trees, that we are like trees of righteousness, and that we would also go through that process of death and rebirth. And um, I think it's there's elements of the New Year's resolutions that come into this, and there's even elements of the purification of your household, uh, the intention of, you know, for those of you who have done anything with smudging or whatever like that, like smudging is a 
uh, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual tradition through a lot of ancient religions, including um, even the censors and stuff and Catholic religions like that. It's not strictly pagan or witches, you know, calm down. Um, and even science has figured out that if you burn sage, it kills like 95% of the bacteria in the air. So it actually is cleansing and healing. But the idea that to burn a log and bring it into your house or have a bonfire or whatever, that you can purify your home and purify the energy of your life for the coming year. And that you celebrate life even in the midst of death for for three days, right? That although things have come to an end, there is the expectation of things coming again, you know, being reborn. And so for me, I'm going to be starting to, this year's a bit late because I didn't study it until recently, but my intention is to start having and building traditions from the night of the 21st to the morning of the 25th, that I would actually start having a five-day celebration for myself and for people in my life. And if you're someone who is close to me in my life, I'll you know keep you posted, if you will, as to what traditions and rituals and intentions I'm planning on implementing. You know, any ritual is only as good as its intention, right? You can go through the motions and um, it can have no power whatsoever. Uh, or you can do the smallest little things with all the intent in the world and it can change your life. So any of the things that I do, you know, with friends and family, any traditions that I implement, uh, there will be echoes of other traditions. There will be echoes of normal Christmas traditions as well as Yule traditions and maybe some things that, uh, that I understand that, that I bring in from the elements of Easter because Easter is obviously about the resurrection and that's a whole other episode about how valid that even is or isn't and spring and all of that stuff. Um, for me, uh, the fullness of Christ is finding its way into this five-day period, the 21st through the 25th, uh, as well as understanding the new year. I know the Roman calendar puts the new year on January 1st, clearly, but uh, for me, I'm going to start viewing uh, December 25th as the new year. And that is when my New Year's tr- uh, resolutions will find their way into my life. That is when the celebration of New Year will find its way into my household. You know, there's there's a lot of little things that I'm meditating on about, you know, okay, well, how would you, you know, how would you set up a bringing in this green tree, this Christ tree inside and burning it and, and celebrating his death and the process of death and hell for three days. You know, the, you know, I, I've do some teachings around the origin of the universe and the meaning of life and everything like that. I've thought about putting them and writing them down and, um, not unlike some of the Jewish traditions around, uh, the holidays where they have, you know, things that you recite around the table and everything like that. I may, I don't know. I might create some traditions around reciting some of the truths of of humanity. And for me, I'm very much looking at the fact we're entering into a new age of understanding the the story of humanity, that this is time to start some new traditions. And Christmas, there is no wrong way to celebrate Christmas, right? This idea of like, oh, we're doing... there. The reason there's no wrong way to do it is because there was, there was never a right way to do it, right? Christmas that we know... Man, it's by in all of the elements that we kind of consider to be traditional in America, most of those elements only really found their way to being officially conglomerated in the in the early 1900s as late as 1958. If you depending on how you look at it, like the way even, you know, 
Santa Claus and the reindeer and stuff. There's elements of, you know, is that, is that Odin and, and his wild hunt, you know, and everything like there's elements of, of all of that stuff. But even Santa Claus, as we know, it was kind of invented in the fifties. So there's just a lot of potential for a way to insert a whole lot of intention, new intention into Christmas and the New Year's and the winter solstice. And I am excited to figure that out for myself and my family and my friends over the coming years. That tradition would find meaning and that intention would find a place to to land in the calendar so that every year I could come around and remember and celebrate certain elements of the human story, of Christ's story, and of what the world calls Christmas or Yule or New Year's, New Year's or even Easter. Like all of those elements that Christ is the reason for this season. And I'm expanding what this season means to me. And I hope this episode has helped maybe unpack it in a new way for you so that uh, you can find some of your own new traditions. And tell you what, if you find some really cool ones and you do some research or whatever and you figure out, hey, we've started doing this every year on the 21st, we do this. And then the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, we do these things. Like share them on the Facebook group. You know, send me a private message. I want to know. I'm, I'm very open to ideas on how to celebrate and commemorate these truths of who Christ is, who we are, the story in the stars, and connect with our, honestly, with our, all of us have a heritage of, of peoples in our life, in our, in our bloodline, in our genealogy, who celebrated different truths in different ways. And I think it'd be really cool to, to embrace the fact that we're coming into a new age where um, new age and Christianity can be married in, in a thought form and in a wisdom tradition. So uh, every good wisdom tradition needs its holidays. And I think this is, uh, it's a pretty exciting for me to see just, just how real of an opportunity this is to develop some very specific traditions and very unique uh, intentions. Um, for my life and my friends and family. So I hope you feel the same. I hope you've enjoyed it. As always, if you would consider donating, I would highly appreciate it. It's uh, been a crazy 2019. I am looking forward to 2020 being very different. Um, Already, uh, I do know that I will be doing a series uh, in 2020 on Unpacking the Secret. The podcast, we're going to be doing Unpacking the Secret. And then there are tools and uh, things available towards creating the life that you desire that I'm aware of and that I teach and I have other projects for and those will be uh, mentioned on the different podcasts but uh, get ready to go through the secret if you've not seen the video uh, I encourage you to watch it or, or read the book it should be available on YouTube and I'll maybe have some links to it as we you know send out some emails and stuff and stuff on the on the uh, Facebook group but uh, we're going to be unpacking the secret at the beginning of 2020 and then uh, we'll go from there If you'd uh, like and follow and share these podcasts, these posts, invite people to this group. I guarantee you have people in your life that are more ready for these messages than than you know. Although it is weird to invite people to something called New Age Christianity, um, my hope is that there's at least one or two of these podcast episodes that you can use as a tool to say, hey, we were just talking about that the other day. Um, Check out this podcast. I think you might like it. So God bless you guys. Thank you so much for your time. I hope you have an awesome 
Christmas, and we will see you next week. Oh, and I apologize for last week. Um, I was sick and could barely talk, and um, this episode was supposed to come out on last week, and I just could not do it. So, yes, I finally I did skip a week, and if you're wondering where the heck last week's episode went, it's never happened. So, uh, thank you for your patience, and uh, hopefully won't, that won't happen too many times if ever again, but uh, that's what happened. So, love you guys. God bless you. Have a happy Christmas, and talk to you next week. Bye.